ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining uh, your post-game show, Toronto FC 1, Columbus Crew SC 2. Um, look, it's, uh, it's one of those days where a lot of us thought things were going to go horribly wrong, and then for one half they went incredibly right, and then everything kind of went the way we thought it might go. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, in the end of the day, I, I think there is a lot of positive takeaway, even after a 2-1 loss. But we'll get into that in a moment. My name is Mike Newell. Uh, you can follow me at Football Saves. Uh, you, Mike, two uh, guest hosts on the show today. Uh, Sean, as always, you can follow him at Sean Anthony Levy. Uh, and uh, we're happy to have uh, the host of Waking the Red Weekly, Mitchell Tierney on. You can follow him at Mitchell Tierney. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining today. Um, a lot to unpack after uh, a <laughs> one defeat, um, but uh, love to get your thoughts um, as we got started here uh, on today's postgame show. Uh, where do we start? Um, I guess... You know, we all saw the starting lineup, and we noticed um, a very youthful um, lineup. Um, so I think we all kind of had a little bit cause for concern once we saw a lot of key members not there. With that being said, like you said off the top, the first half, you know what? They played better than I think any of us anticipated. Um, but the second half was a totally different story. Um, yeah. It was basically tale of two halves. Very much so, Mitchell. You uh, you were watching along. Um, you know, what were your thoughts, just in general? You know, uh, over the ninety minutes. Yeah, I think we'd all been kind of hoping for that three back system a little bit, just to see what that would look like. Um, you know, especially considering how aggressive Bob Bradley wants his fullbacks to play. So we got that a little bit today. Unfortunately, those three center backs were one. Canpl fullback making his debut, a Canpl center back making his uh, debut, and Michael Bradley. So you know they they played fairly well. I mean, I thought all three of them did. But with, with that being said, um, yeah, I mean it's it's what you would expect with at this point the the growing pains from that. But I, I like the the look that that at least suggested, and I think especially in the first half it worked out great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I mean, we can opine over the next uh, 45 minutes to an hour, um, but this is your show. Uh, so we definitely want to hear from you, your thoughts, your your comments on uh, today's match. Um, you know, a lot of I, I saw a lot of comments during uh, the game, you know, both in the first half about uh, the young players, but also in the second half about how things might have fallen apart. Uh, so. On the left, uh, bottom left-hand corner of your, if you're on your Android device or on your uh, iPhone, uh, there is a mic request button. Go ahead, smash that uh, request uh, mic button. We'd love to get your thoughts, and we'll get you in here, um, you know, during the next 45 minutes to an hour. But um, as we're starting to get people lined up, I mean, let's kind of go over the game really quickly, guys. Um, You know, that first half, we'll, we'll start with the first half. Bright start. I mean, look, I, I think that when we saw the 11, you know, I think there were some uh, raised eyebrows. I don't think that's a uh, an overstatement from, you know, Toronto FC fans kind of looking at this thinking, uh-oh, um, you know, it's a 
pretty inexperienced lineup, or at least the majority of it. But I mean, for Canadian soccer fans, I think there's positive in the fact that, you know, you had seven uh, Canadian players in the 11. Um, and, and, you know, as the games kicked off and this game was progressing in that first half, you know, the team started to look a little bit what we kind of thought this team was going to look like. Um, but I'll, 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 I'll throw it over to you and, and Mitchell, I'll, I'll start with you. You know, that first half, the, the, especially the first sort of 20 minutes of the game, uh, TFC looked like they were, they were bossing, um, you know, possession and, and the movement, uh, you know, between the players in terms of passing and moving and, and breaking lines looked really fluid. You know, what were sort of the things that you were picking up the, on uh, in, the, in, in those first sort of 20, 30 minutes? Yeah, I think the best thing Toronto FC's done in honestly all three of their games so far is is their play and possession. When they've had the ball, they have so many good technical players uh, in that midfield and and on the the wings now that can just keep the ball and and some great interplay between them. Um, I thought Noble Okello had a great start to the match in in the center of the park where um, he showed a lot of you know that talent that I think we've all been waiting for him to show a little bit in terms of his on the ball. So the little flicks, some of the little passes, I thought were excellent. So um, that that was my main takeaway from the first little bit was, yeah, exactly like you said. I mean, there was moments there where it was like, oh, Bob Bradley got one more week to work with them in training, and they look like Barcelona. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the uh, obviously the uh, you know the wheels fell off, and they look like Barcelona of recent vintage um, in, the, in, the, in the second <laughs> half. But um, yeah, I thought there was there, there's definitely some positives to be taken from those first 20 minutes and from their possession play in general. Because when they're on the ball and they're able to operate in the midfield, like I think a lot of that is is very promising and looks night and day from last season. Absolutely, I think what we're quickly realizing, although the results aren't quite where we'd like them to be there's an identity with this team. Um, and I, I don't think that's an overstatement. Are you right? Like, I think we, we see what this team wants to be and aspires to be. And at times they're able to execute on that vision of, of what they want to be. They definitely want to play with the ball on the ground. They want to be able to connect with each other um, and, and have those runs um, in from deep or those really connecting one, two plays um, near the top of the box. Uh, Sean, uh, I know you and I have talked a lot on um, the the House of Lakeshore podcast about you know seeing some of these young players. Um, you know, I'm a big Jaden Nelson stan. I know you are too. Um, obviously, Jaquiel goes down early uh, with an injury, and and you never want to see that um, from him. But um, let's kind of quickly talk about Jaden and his play, especially slotting into that right wing back and at least in that first half looking pretty solid um from a from a defending but also from a from a attacking point of view oh definitely i thought um i think specifically from a defensive what i noticed from him was his physical play um like he was definitely bossing guys off the ball he wasn't getting like in the past you know what if when it came shoulder to shoulder contact with any player he was getting pushed off he he looked timid Today I noticed that a, a, a young man turning or, or a, a boy turning into a young man when it came to how physical he played. And he was in command when it came to that. Um, his run up and down play, I, I was impressed with his ball movement. Yeah, he faded near the end of the game. He was making some, you know, questionable passes and you could just see he was getting tired near the end. But I was, you know, what? You've, you're noticing in the three games so far, a, a noticeable improvement in his game compared to last season. 
Absolutely. I think what, what you're seeing is, is somebody who has a little bit more confidence in the way that they're, that they're playing um, and that the way that they're, you know, that, that he's taking on uh, players, the way that he is attacking space um, a lot more. And one of the things that I know a lot of people kind of pointed to last year was that he feel like it felt like he was deferring uh, to, to Alejandro. He was deferring to, you know, other players. Um, whereas now I feel like he has the confidence to, to go and make things happen. And, and maybe that's a bit of Bob Bradley putting an arm around his shoulder and, and giving him that confidence. And, and part of it, I think, is just him maturing and getting better and, and, you know, one thing I've also noticed is that him, Noble, Akello, as you mentioned, Mitchell, you know, they put on a little bit of bulk. So they feel like they can take some players on one on one and be able to fend them off, um, yeah. you know, when when taking to taking uh, players on one on one. We've got a request to come on in. So I'm going to bring in Essex Rand. Um, OK, buddy, you uh, just need to unmute yourself um, and give us your so- thoughts, Sam. You, you're good to go. No, okay. Uh, I think we just lost him there. Um, uh, Essex, if you can do us a, a favor, just go ahead and hit that uh, mic button, request button again. Uh, we'll get you in here um, as you're as as we're going along. But let's talk um, about the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. I was going to say um, another thing with when it comes to you know them playing so many young Canadians and young kids today is, you know, Caden Chung and Lucas McNaughton played their first, got their first start. And I was impressed with both of them, specifically in the first half. Yeah, they had, you know, they struggled a little bit more in the second half, especially when the fact that they were under a lot more pressure. But they still didn't look out of sorts. They, you know, you you see that, you know, with more time and more, you know, more opportunities, they will be solid pieces for this team. Um, So I, I was definitely impressed with, you know, they were some of the young guys I was impressed with throughout the game. Um, Yeah, there's not really... A lot of other bright spots outside of the fact that Jesus keeps scoring for us. So I'll take that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Look, and I think, and Mitch, I'd love to get your thoughts about Lucas McNaughton and Caden Chong, what they made their, their first starts um, for the club today. Um, and again, I thought they looked solid and, and, you know, look, as somebody's watched a lot of Canadian premier league, you know, I, I, I didn't have that many doubts that I thought they would look solid. Um, but I think maybe some, fans are maybe surprised at how quickly they seem to slot into the team. Um, you know, uh, Mitchell, I'll just get your thoughts on, on both Caden and, and Lucas and how they look today. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, if you want to talk about throwing in the deep end, this is a pretty tough first MLS start. You're playing a Columbus team that's has scored seven goals in their previous uh, two games. And, and obviously we saw their offensive talent on full display again today, particularly in the second half. And, you know, you're starting, I mean, one of you is starting out of his natural position and the other one, you know, the, the person you're paired with at center back is again, Michael Bradley, who again, I think did a very solid job today. And I think deserves some credit between these two guys for the organi- organization and everything else he, he offered in there because that's a tough assignment, but it, it's not an ideal obviously spot to to bring these guys in but i think they did a, a solid enough job i think uh look there was a couple of huge tackles from both of them the the mcnaughton one towards the end was just an incredible bit of timing where you know if uh if Absolutely. um he he doesn't get that then uh, you know he's joining uh Sosedo, um in the, in the press box for the yeah. next match <laughs> because that's a that's a suspendable tackle but 
Um, yeah, I thought I thought by and large they were good. I mean, obviously there was moments from from both of them where they showed maybe their inexperience at this level, but that's to be expected with players like that. And the fact that they were able to to come in and show so well early on, I mean. We all know that a lot of the players on this team, this team in general, is a bit of a project this year. But in some aspects, I think with both these guys, like they're ahead of schedule, which is which is a positive. Yeah, for sure, and and especially with Caden, I think is only twenty two still. Right, we're kind of used to talking about Caden as being a pro for quite some time now, but and he's still a a relatively young player. Um, and and will will continue to grow with the team and look pretty seamless. Um, again, especially in that first half. So maybe we could talk a little bit about the first goal. Um, you know, I think it was great. Again, a great bit of interchange um, at the top of the box and and getting Paws into interesting positions, a little bit wider um, than we're probably used to seeing him uh, and, and floats in a great cross. And, you know, I think we were talking and Mitchell and, and Sean, I think you both talked about it and touched on it a bit earlier, this idea of identity and you know, this team looks like we have a way to goal, um, which I think a lot of last year lacked. You know, I, I don't think we had an idea of how we were going to score goals. Whereas I think this year we have a better sense of how we want to do that. Now, I, I don't think this is necessarily a textbook um, sort of Bob Bradley goal, but at the same time, you know, great cross in um, from Alejandro Pizuelo, who is is starting to look like the Pizuelo we remember and know. Um, and then obviously we talk about Jesus Jimenez, um, you know, the, the getting, uh, getting the goal, um, being in the right place at the right time. And look, he did, you know, sometimes he floats in and out of games. I think Mitchell, you mentioned that, um, you know, last week on the podcast, but you know, he, he's there to bang him in. Um, and, and that's kind of what you're, you're right now paying him to do at least until Insignia gets here and until the, you know, the club looks for another number nine, if that's sort of the plan. Um, you know, again, guys, what did you kind of see on, on that first goal that, that you kind of liked in terms of, you know, either the possession play or, you know, the movement with inside, within the box? I mean, yeah, again, that's like you said, Pozuelo starting to look a little bit more like himself. Like that was the MVP Pozuelo that we've come to expect the past couple of years. So that's obviously very important in terms of getting Toronto FC's offense back to, you know, where it, where it was before. Um, and I do think there's good signs that, again, without Io Akinola, without Lorenzo Antigna in the lineup, that they're starting to be able to create some chances. Uh, the final product obviously hasn't been there too often. There were a few times today where, you know, one final pass in the box or, or one other move slightly different would have gone um, a long way to, to obviously getting the ball in the back of the net. But I do think that we've seen a more coherent offensive performance from Toronto FC to start this year. And once they get those final details uh, put together, I think things are, things are looking promising in that regard. I also wanted to mention Luca Petrasso, who I think has been a bit of a revelation for, for the offense as well. Um, you know, this is a guy who with Toronto FC two never really, really impressed me. Like there was a lot of his teammates that I would have put ahead of him, but there's some guys who, once they transition to that pro level, they just step up, and are able to, you know, now that their teammates are better, uh, now that their role is more defined and they don't have to take on games themselves, they're able to to just become part of that structure. And the way he's linked up with Jesus Jimenez has been incredibly impressive for me so far. So that's a guy that I want to highlight uh, as an important member of the the offense so far. Absolutely. And it, again, it, that's, two, that's two straight um, impressive performances from Petrasso. 
obviously won on the on the wing last week and and um, playing a little bit further back this week. Um, but again, a, a pretty solid start to his uh, MLS career. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I also watched him at TFC too. I thought he had um, the, the potential to get to that first team, but uh, he is really sort of balling out and he's getting his opportunity, right? This is kind of what we've talked about in the past about getting young players and getting them their opportunities and, and, and showing what they can do um, at the senior level. So, you know, as we go along that first half, um, again, continue, TFC continue to kind of boss possession up until, you know, and this is just my opinion, you know, up until maybe the, the last sort of 10 minutes uh, where the team starts to sit back a little bit and, and starts to, I don't want to say lose their way, but um, definitely Columbus starts to get into the game a little bit more um, after the goal. Um, you know, I'm just trying to figure out as usual, what, we, what we thought contributed to that, because I thought for the, those first 25, 30 minutes, you know, TFC were pretty confident on the ball. We're moving it really well. Um, you know, we're making uh, we're making opportunities and making space for attacks. But um, as sort of the half went on, um, was that more Columbus getting into the game? Was it more, you know, TFC kind of giving the ball away a little too cheaply? Uh, that definitely is what happened in the second half. But even in sort of the end, the ending of the first half, I was noticing that a little bit more. Um, Sh- Sean, would love to get your thoughts on that. I think it was a combination of a couple things. I think it was definitely some bad um, p- plays out of the back uh, when they're trying to uh, move the ball forward. Um, I think they just started to sit back near the end um, and they just didn't look as aggressive as they were early in the game. Um, and it's almost like they were more concerned about not conceding another goal versus, you know, trying to get that equalizer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, when sitting back, obviously you're trying to protect to get to halftime and not concede, which I completely understand. But uh, look, there were chances there to go up to nil. Um, and, and Mitchell, you mentioned Luca Vitrasso. He definitely had an opportunity. It was well saved by by Room. Uh, but you felt that if they had kind of pressed a little bit more for that second goal, they might have been able to kill that game off in the first half. Um, you know, and, and obviously um, we talked about the Petrasso chance. There were a couple of early headers from from Noble Akello, um that that tested Room. Um, but I, I feel like. Uh, again, there's maybe that's a learning process. That opportunity to kill off a game, kind of when you have that that opportunity is there when you may not have a team that is as good as Columbus is. Um, you know, they they you have that opportunity to kind of you know get a little bit of a stranglehold in the game and, and build a little bit of a cushion. And I thought that might have been a, a bit of a missed opportunity in that that first half. Um, you know, for the room, I, maybe I'll pose a question to everybody in the room and, and I'd love to get your thoughts. So, again, uh, hit that mic request button and, and love to hear what you think. But going into, you know, the second half, um, obviously TFC start the second half really well. And then, you know, again, whether it's the wheels coming off, whether it's Columbus coming into the game, um, you know, Bob Bradley makes a, an interesting substitution in the, in the second half and, and takes off Achara, who had come in um, for the injured Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy and, and brings in Ralph Preso. Um, you know, it, does that move make sense to you? I'm trying to still process that, that change. 
Um, you know, in Bob Bradley's press conference, uh, he mentions that uh, that it wasn't an injury um, to Achara. It was tactical. Um, but would love to get the room's thoughts on that substitution and was it really needed at that time um, to uh, to try to control the game? Uh, Jeffrey, you have your hand up, so would love to get your thoughts. So go ahead, oh, Jeffrey. Actually, I, I oh, don't let him talk. Wrong. Yeah, I pressed the wrong <laughs> button, guys. I think... Uh... I actually think uh, I meant to do the heart thing, but whatever. I'll ask a question. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just dead air in there. Uh, what do you think of that free kick awarding? Do you think that that was that was the turning point in the game, the TSN turning point? In terms of it going into the the first goal, yeah. correct? I mean, it was a bad call. I mean, look when you saw it. When you saw it, like. Pause didn't foul them. That's at least that's my take. Um, and I'm going to rewatch it and just to confirm that that's what I saw. But uh, it's quite possible once that goal, you know, the, the team kind of just like shrugged. But to Mike's question with regard to Achara, that I, I did question the sub. Now, Achara hasn't really impressed me much since he's been on. But again, Maybe it wasn't necessary yet to make that sub because at that point, if I'm correct, they weren't down yet during the game. So was it, again, was that necessary? Mitchell, any thoughts on that? Cause I, I find that move uh, a, a sub a little bit perplexing um, at the time it was made. I could understand it a little later on in the second half. We're still up, but I found it a little, uh, a little, I feel like it threw off the rhythm of the, the team a little bit. Well, I think it's a symptom of a bigger problem that we saw the second the starting line, lineup came out, which is just this TFC team's not that deep. Um, True. There's, I mean, you look down that bench, you've got two keepers on there. You've got a lot of other young guys, obviously, Kosi Thompson and and uh, Jordan Peruzza making their their debuts, um, or sorry, I guess not the debut for for Peruzza, but uh, you know the, when you're looking down the bench, it's it's all young guys. So um, I think that that was part of it. You didn't have a veteran player who could come in and and kind of cool things down. You had to go to Ralph Brizo, who I mean, look is is a great player in his own right, but uh, I like you said, probably not the the player to bring on at that time, especially considering the the different look that Achara gave you and the little bit further forward. Um, kind of pressing the the opposition defense and and just not letting them do what they did after that, which is just transition the ball forward so easily. So yeah, it was a it was a perplexing sub, but um, like I said, Bradley's GM Bradley needs to help coach Bradley in the next little bit and give himself some more options and and obviously the the training staff as well because uh, this is not a, not a deep team right now. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we have a speaker, Thunderclack. Go ahead, unmute yourself, um, and give us your thoughts. Hi, everyone. Thanks for letting me on. Um, I think uh, regarding the Pariso thing, um, I know it was touched on, but I believe that, like the way we ended the first half, or they ended the first half, um, and the way the second half started, I'd say Pariso is the better man on the ball than uh, Achara. Achara, you know, you get a lot of pace up the wings and and he really knows how to get into space but maybe bob was just looking to calm things down which unfortunately preso had i don't know for one of his worst passing games i think i remember 
And I think maybe it just backfired on uh, on Bradley there. Sorry, I almost forgot to mute myself. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, I, I see that, and I see Mitchell's point too, right, in, in regards to just not having that experience on the bench uh, to bring in. But I guess my question is, did you – did you need to make that move in that moment, right? Like I, I get the idea of trying to calm down a bit of what was happening at that time. But at that point, I, I don't think it was completely out of hand, you know, and I think the, the outlet to somebody like Achara could have helped stretch the field a little bit more. I felt it got very narrow once Preso came in. Um, and, and, you know, at that point you, you kind of play into Columbus's hands in terms of the way they, they like to play uh, um, the game. Um, don't know if you had any further thoughts on that. Yeah, but exactly your point about um, the lack of, of experience on the bench, I think maybe that's what we're judging this by is because of that lack of experience, you almost maybe try to nip that in the bud a little earlier than you would if you had a little more experience there. And Maybe it was like in hindsight, absolutely it was the wrong, you know, move to make at that time for you know a couple of different reasons. But I think we might be having a different conversation if Preso, you know, started to help that link up play and get the ball moving forward, um, which wasn't happening, like I said, end of yeah. end of first half into the second. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it was his best performance off the bench. And sorry, something cloud. I'm just gonna move you back into the uh into the audience there. Thank you so much for participating and, and giving us your thoughts. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, definitely not the the best uh, appearance for Ralph. Um, I, I think that, you know, he struggled to get to the pace of the game, um, which again, it, it's kind of hard to do as you're, you're coming in and, and Columbus is really starting to uh, push the tempo and the pace a little bit more. Um, but uh, I think they're, Obviously, there are going to be better days for Ralph. Um, I, it's interesting to note that um, at the pregame, they talked, or or maybe just as the game started, they're talking about a battle between Noble and Ralph for minutes um, in the lineup to potentially play either beside Bradley or beside Oso, depending how the, the team gets lined up on match days. And I wonder if this is something that Noble is winning right now. Um, Sean, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as I'm bringing Ravi in. Um, I would probably agree with that take because I did read about that that um, that there is a bit of a battle going on, um, and and we also have to remember Ralph is just coming back off of a major injury, so you know he could be still a little hesitant in training. So that you know, Okello is just stepping up and taking advantage of that opportunity right now, um, but again. When you look at today, when you look at that sub, most of us probably feel it wasn't like when, again, hindsight, it wasn't probably the best time to make that sub. But when you look at who was available and what uh, Bob probably felt, you know, the team needed some, a bit of a change. You know, Ralph was the most experienced guy based on who he had available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ravi, uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Give us your question or your your thought on today's game. Hey, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, go ahead. We can hear you. Great. Thanks for having me on. Um, regarding Ralph Prizo, I wonder how much of this is Michael or Michael Bradley, Daddy Bradley, Bob Bradley, um, 
testing out uh, a Ralph Prezo for future usage. We've all spoken about, you know, how is this Michael Bradley Prezo transition going to happen? Um, one of the the ways to do that is, you know, bringing either Prezo in in the second half or bringing Bradley in in the second half. Maybe this was sort of the opportunity to to throw Prezo in and see see what came of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting question. I'd love to get Mitchell and Sean's thoughts on this, but obviously, as the as the beginning of the season starts. Bob Bradley looks like he's still trying to find his best 11 and he's chopping and changing at certain spots to see who's sort of the right fit. Um, But do you think this is sort of as a fan, are you sort of happy with him kind of trying to experiment right now and trying to figure out what his, you know, best 11 is at this point, or do you kind of want to see something a little bit more settled uh, in terms of an 11 Mitchell? I'd love to get your thoughts. Well, I mean, the injuries haven't helped in terms of getting that's us out of the So, so he's got that to contend with as well as as always seems to be the case with Toronto FC. But yeah, I mean, I'm I think at this point in the season, I'm perfectly comfortable with with experimentation and and with trying out different things as he did today. Certainly, um, on the Bradley Prezo thing, uh, that's that's an interesting thing to see. I I honestly rather we we see them kind of split starts than split games because I think both of these are guys who um and I guess we haven't seen Bradley off the bench much so we don't have a we don't have much of a um a sample size on that one but I think both of these guys are guys who need to start the game who need to get that rhythm under them who need to have those those early minutes of the game in them so they can get up to the speed and we we saw today what Ralph looked like when he came off the bench um and was you know a little behind the pace I think I think having these guys kind of split starts depending upon what team you're playing against and and who the opposition is and you know how they're going to um, line up. I think that's that's where this decision comes and and I think that's where the transition between the two starts is is splitting starts. Um, also, I think Toronto FC could sure use Liam Frazier right now, but I'll leave that be. <laughs> I know you're a Liam Frazier stand, so, uh, you know, I definitely <laughs> can definitely uh, use Liam right now, pinging those beautiful balls out uh, out to to Jesus Jimenez uh, right now. Ravi, thanks so much uh, for your thought. We're going to throw you back into the audience there. Uh, we do have another speaker up. Uh, Net, go ahead, unmute yourself, and uh, give us your thought or your question. How's it going, everybody? Um Mitch just stole my idea. I think Liam Frazier would uh, be a huge boon to this squad right now. But I think we're, um, I think we're overreacting. I know it's three games and it hasn't been good, but it's a weak lineup. We have a stronger lineup coming in. Chung's been good. McNaughton's been good. Way better than I was expecting. Uh, we don't really have, besides Jimenez and Achara, someone up front that's going to be good right now. Um, yeah, I think uh, Daddy Bradley just needs to get his um, system more ingrained into this squad. We need our full squad back. And I, I don't think we're going to be that bad. Look, are we a playoff team? Maybe not, but we're not, we're not worse than the other two Canadian teams, in my opinion, when we have a full squad. That's all I have to say. No, no, that that's perfect, and um, thank you for the uh, the Montreal Vancouver troll. That always makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, no, um, look, I, I think that you're right. I think there are positives here. Look, 
if we go really quickly into the two goals, look, yes, um, you know, the, the first goal, it's kind of a bit of a calamity of errors there, right? We're just collectively as a team, they're not able to, to clear the ball properly. And look, it's a, it's a great hit by Lucas Zellerion. Um, You give that guy any t- chance, um, you space the top of the box. You know, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of like Javinko. This is Bezbachenko's Javinko at, at Columbus right now, right? He gave him that space. He's going to hit it and he's going to, he's going to put it in, uh, in the net. And then on the second goal, look, it's, uh, a lot of ball watching. I'll put it that way. I, I don't know if Mitchell, Sean, you're, you, you're thinking the same, but on that second goal, there's a lot of people watching the ball and a lot of people missing marks uh, on corner defending there um, and, and sort of allowing Derek Etienne Jr. to sort of walk in and get a, a pretty straightforward, um, I don't quite say tap in, um, but uh, a pretty good strike on goal. Yeah, I would have to agree. It was basically the second goal was just bad man uh, marking. Um, it seemed like players lost their their man and and all shifted towards the ball and uh like off the first uh cross and then Etienne just moved into an open space and nobody was with him like he was just wide open and bam right so that was definitely um you know a a simple mistake that you know everyone should know you stick with your man it's not about where the ball goes where it's where you're like if you have a man that you're supposed to be marking stick with him because at a certain point, if he gets open, that's that's on you. Yeah, and I think those are some of the growing pains that that sort of net was getting at, right? Um, and and both of you have mentioned throughout the call that you know, and, and we mentioned even last week in the in the post game review in, in in our spaces at that point, right? It was this is going to be some growing pains. We're going to watch a team that in the first half, as Mitchell said, kind of looks like Barcelona, and then in the second half kind of looks like new Barcelona <laughs> if you want to put it that way um in terms of the the way that they're playing the way that they're you know they're they're grasping concepts I think right now at least what I saw and I, I'll pose this question to the room but uh, I kind of saw a team that when everything's going right they play well and they're confident and everything looks good if they kind of get punched in the mouth a little bit um, then they kind of shy away. Um, and, it, it, you know, you can say that's on the, the kids and how many young players they played. And that's, I think that is somewhat fair. But I also think there has to be, uh, you know, a little bit more asked of the veteran players that were on the pitch in terms of being able to guide them through those moments. Um, the Michael Bradleys, the Alejandro Pozuelos, the Osorios that are out there. Um, you know, the, the Jesus Jimenez, I know he's new on the squad, but you know, he's a seasoned professional. He's not new at professional football. Um, so from that perspective, I, I think you need those guys to, um, to, to walk them through, uh, the, the game, uh, Ned, we've got you back here. Um, so go ahead and unmute yourself and give us another question or thought. I'm a bit scared to bring this one up just because I don't want to be labeled a Bono hater. I'm not saying he was bad, but I think this squad could use someone who could play the ball. Uh, his distribution just isn't there, I think, with, with this squad, especially when I think the mid isn't exactly as strong as it should be or could be. Um, now, is Westbrook the answer? I don't know. But, uh, I'm going to say Bob Riley knows a lot more than I do. Um, but I think um, uh, a goalkeeper with, a better, with better distribution, he's an amazing shot stopper. He was our goalkeeper when he won the championship. I'm not saying he's not good. He's a great goalkeeper, but I think 
if he had that distribution, which I'm sorry he doesn't have, um, I think uh, some of these uh, games could be uh, – it could go a little bit better in my opinion. Okay, so I'll, I'll pose this this question to yourself, uh, Ned, to Mitchell and to Sean. Um, I, I don't think goalkeeping is the biggest issue this club has right now. Um, it's probably the most, in terms of depth-wise, probably the most depth position that the club has uh, currently. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we're having goalkeeper gate. I think we're having goalkeeper. Are we trying to have goalkeeper gate again? I don't really think we are. But, uh, you know... Do you do you think about uh, a Westberg um, start at some point with that distribution sort of thought in mind? Yes. One thing, Mike, you're driving me crazy. I'm pretty sure it's Niet, not Net, like Nyeta Trollbot. But anyway, I'll see myself out. No, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry, Niet. Um, yeah. So, Sean, you're you don't think no? No. Well, uh, okay. So, Net Niet is correct. Uh, with regard to uh, Bono's ball distribution, it's always been bad and it hasn't gotten any better. Um, and that's not necessarily a good sign. You know, as a keeper develops and gets older, you still improve and get better and work on areas of improvement. From Even when they won the championship, his ball distribution wasn't great, but it was bailed out because of who he had around him defensively. Now, since that point, he hasn't progressed at all when it comes to, like, it's not reliable at all from a goal kick, from, you know, if he's it's just questionable who he chooses to pass it out to sometimes when, if he is playing it out, playing it to the wings is usually the safer bet. Sometimes he goes up the middle unnecessarily. So I agree with him on that. Now, is Westberg the solution? The Westberg I saw last year... Now, again, last season was is a total different thing, but he wasn't very – he wasn't the Westbrook we saw the year before. There was a decline in his game. So I don't know if that's necessarily the answer because, again, I'm not going to say Bono's the reason we drew the first one, the reason we tie, lost last week 4-1, or the reason we lost today. So, it like, do I feel Westbrook deserves a chance? Yes, but at the same time, I'm not blaming Bono. But we all know he can't. When it comes to the ball distribution, he's he's not very good. Fair enough, Mitchell. I know we're kind of tired of goalkeeper uh, discussions um, from last year. But uh, is there anything new to add in 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 this sort of discussion? I mean, the answer is Dane St. Clair, but uh, <laughs> considering that might cost them a, a pretty penny to, to. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, are we gonna, we're going to have to give up a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Then look, I think I think you give Westbrook a shot, but not not necessarily for the distribution um, side of things. I think what Westbrook brings better than Bono is his communication um, is is significantly better. And I think with a backline that at the moment is very new, depending upon who's injured, who's suspended, or regardless. I mean, they're trying a bunch of new players out in in all those positions. I think you need someone back there who's going to be incredibly vocal, tell everyone where they need to be at all times. And we saw that again today, certainly, as we've mentioned on the, the set pieces not ideal, not ideal at all. So uh, you need someone who can communicate better back there. And I think that's one thing Westberg brings over Bono. It's also, I mean, we've seen Bradley um, give, uh, be quick to to make a bunch of changes, pull people out of the games. If he doesn't think it's working, I'm surprised that the Westberg Bono isn't, isn't one of those things he's tried, but 
The one thing I will say is this is basically the third straight Toronto FC manager that's preferred Bono over Westberg. So I don't know if there's something we're missing in terms of training or, or off field or, or what have you. Um, but th- that's certainly been the case and something that I've definitely keyed into is the fact that uh, I guess maybe Javier brought Westberg back in a little bit, but most have preferred Bono over, over Westberg, which is a little bit surprising. Yeah, I, I, so you're right. Since Vanny left, we haven't really seen that much of Westberg. Yeah, it, it is uh, is not one, but again, I I don't think that's the problem here. <laughs> like that that is not that that is uh, over three games. I know um, some goals have gone in, uh, but I don't think a goalkeeper is the biggest problem right now. Uh, all right, Toronto Hawks SC, we've got you on the line. Go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, give us your thought or question. Uh, Toronto Hawks, if you want to give us your thought or question, uh, a bottom left-hand corner, there should be an unmute button there. So go ahead and hit that unmute button. And we your thoughts. Yep, we can hear you. Okay. Just wondering with the, all these experience that Bob Bradley has, ever thought with that num- these kind of players has, can they can play and get the result in this level? Uh, simply, technically, and physically, many of those players, in the, they are not in this level. We cannot hold the ball up front. You just look at the 50th minutes up to the after second second goal. We couldn't pass through their half. I mean, they even their fullback was all over us. We can, we do not have a, even a player can hold the ball ball up there. Even we bring the insignia, still we cannot do it because how well how we can expect that the one player comes and make us such a difference. Uh, these teams need a lot of change with the, this number of the inexperienced uh, players. They cannot move on. They are not. They they wouldn't be able to compete in this level. That's what I think. Okay, fair enough. Um, and and thank you for the thought. I will say that there has been a lot of changes as you probably watched this team um, over the past few years. The, look, there are only and Mitchell, you probably can correct me if I'm wrong. Thirteen players that returned from last year. Um, and right. yeah, and, and in terms of the amount of players that have returned, how many of them were regulars? Really, if you think about it, it's Michael Bradley, Pozuelo, who wasn't even barely fit last year. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about Mavinga, who has, you know, played one game and Bob Bradley is, seemed to, I mean, he did pick up a knock, so I'll be fair to him. Um, but right now, I, I don't know if he would even gotten back into the 11 today, um, given, given uh, the way he played in the first game. Um, Osorio, you, know, right? you don't have a lot of all that to say is that you don't have a ton of experience um, in, in the group, and and those that do have that experience had came off a tough year last year. And you're not, and, and you know, he's not wrong in the sense that in the second half, it, Toronto FC could just not get a foot on the ball. Right, the ball when they cleared it, it went up and it came right back down their throats. But I think again that that speaks to a group learning how to control a gate. Um, and learning how to, uh, when things do get a little bit hairy, when things don't quite go your way, how to put a foot on the ball and keep possession. And that's something that this team is, I think, going to grow into as the year uh, goes along. Mitchell, Sean, do you agree with me there? Or are you seeing things a little bit differently than, than how I'm seeing it? I would probably, I would more so agree with you. Uh, I'm not going to harp on, on, on the overall play as of yet, because again, it is only the third game, 
and you definitely didn't have a favorable lineup option for today with regard to players being injured, um, Salcedo being um, suspended. So with that being said, you know, the team was a bit of a, you know, simply put a makeshift option starting 11 and, you know, whatever you could throw on the bench. So, you know, going into a a place like Columbus and yeah, you did lose, but you know, you, it was only a two, one result and it will be a, a learning, a good learning lesson, I think, for the young guys to to see where they went wrong, where they need to improve on, you know, positionally, um, when attacking, how to make, you know, when to make that pass versus when to try to beat a man one-on-one. You know, late in the game, I did notice, you know, Jaden Nelson was trying, I think, a little too hard when he should have been, you know, maybe making that, that pass into the 18. So, you know, it is going to be a learning curve for these guys. This is, it's not, like like you said, we don't have the, the a full experienced roster like we've had in the past. There's a lot of young young faces and new faces, so there's going to be some a, a time of transition. And and the caller is correct. It, you know, when Insignia gets here, he's not going to be the you know the end all be all. And all of a sudden, we're going to start winning games and banging in goals. Right? There's still areas of improvement and holes that we need to fix between now and then. Okay, perfect. Uh, Anthony, um, we've got a, a new caller in. So, Anthony, go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, give us your thought or question. Yeah. So, basically, in my opinion, the midfield is weak. Like, we need a Conte, an Angolo Conte X player to cover the ground of the team. In my opinion, Michael Bradley, he's past it. Um, you can't literally just throw all the kids in such an important position in the team. The midfield is key. The team needs to learn how to basically treat the ball like gold and take better care of it, or else we're just going to keep doing sloppy passes and constant turnovers. Um, in terms of now the squad, I believe the squad is thin. Um, the main thing I want to know is, why did we not use the Insignia money to make reinforcements throughout the whole team? And then finally, I think we need to start playing players in our proper position. Greg Banny deserves a lot of credit for playing the players that he had at his disposal in their best positions. You can't experiment at defense. And I don't like the excuse of that the kids are learning because before you know it, we're not going to be challenging for anything this season. So those are my thoughts. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate your thoughts. Uh, we'll throw you back into the uh, the audience there, um, but I appreciate what you're you're saying there. Um, Mitchell, I'm, I'm going to get you to jump in on the Insigne DP uh, money uh, thought there, because I know you've spoken to this before. Um, but in terms of the squad, look, um, Anthony, I, I, I feel you. Uh, I understand, you know, I understand the, you know, you want to win now, right? I think that I think this club over the past, you know, five to six years has kind of told the public and told us as fans, you know, we, we're going to try to win a trophy every year you know we're going to try to you know be the best team in MLS Michael Bradley I remember at one point said you we want to be the Bayern Munich of MLS where we're always competing for every trophy on every front um but the truth is is that at some point you do this team needed to turn over from that golden era right and 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 it, that golden era is now seeing the sunset realistically and you know a lot of money has been poured into the academy to develop young 
young talent in 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 southwestern Ontario and in especially in the GTA. And uh, I think you have to see what they what they are. Uh, right now, the team is building and is growing, and I really actually think this team's competitive horizon is in twenty twenty three, not now. Um, but in the meantime, to see those players and see incremental growth in those players, you have to play them at some point, and you have to play them in games that aren't the most comfortable for them, and you have to be okay with them making mistakes sometimes because that's how you get an Angolo Conte. Toronto FC is not going to be able to go out and buy an Agolo Conte or an Insigne every single season. MLS does not allow for that. Um, and, and I think that why go and spend all that kind of money when you might be able to develop a Noble Akello into, I'm not going to say he's going to be Angolo Conte, but you can develop him into somebody who is a fantastic holding midfielder who, by the way, with one ball can cut you know, uh, you can cut a, a defensive line in half. Um, that's my thought. Um, but Anthony, again, thank you for your thought, Mitchell. Uh, uh, before I bring Jeff in, because um, I know he's got a lot to say, um, I just wanted to maybe have you touch a bit on, you know, why maybe we didn't take the Insigne money and spread it out across the roster. Well, they can't. Is uh, <laughs> the long and short of it, like. The, the way MLS roster rules work is is essentially, you know, for, for designated player spots, you can pay anything you want for for those players. And only for those slots, everyone else, I mean, obviously you've got your targeted allocation money that you can spend on different players, your general allocation money that TFC has still a fair amount of that they can spend throughout the roster. But that $15 million, you can only really spend it on one player. So um, that's the reason why, you know, they, they obviously front-loaded it all into that. And I mean, that's just the way MLS works right now. Unfortunately Um, it's hopefully will change as you know, the, the kind of ridiculous nature of one player being paid so much more than, than everyone else on the team or everyone else in the league. But that's, that's the way it is right now. And uh, another thing I did want to touch on that I thought you did a great job of, of Mike, but also, I mean, in terms of playing some of these players in their best positions with young guys, like some of these guys, we don't actually fully know what their best position quite is yet. And I know, again, that's that's a frustrating thing to to have to go through as this club goes through some growing pains right now. But you have to go through that to to one day, hopefully, recognize that, you know, Jaquil Marshall-Ruti is a, is a wing back and, and can play this role incredibly well at a very, very high level or... You know, Noble Akello is a is a six or an eight, or we're not fully sure yet. Like these are all things that have to be played out on the field, and that that will take a little bit to go through. Absolutely, uh, Jeff. Uh, thank you for waiting patiently as we sort of rambled on here. Uh, but Jeff, go ahead with your question or your thoughts. Yeah, no worries. Thanks. You did steal a little bit of my thunder talking about the uh, the rebuild. I think our expectations have been set so high, and you know, coming from zero expectations for the first seven to ten years and a point now where we are expecting some kind of trophy or championship or success every year now but this is not a game like basketball where you can just insert two-star players and all of a sudden you're you know you're fighting for championships this is a game of cohesion and understanding and have to play together they gotta they gotta get a sense for each other especially in the back line and with so much turnover like losing 18 players off your squad and bringing in, I think we brought in 13 or whatever it is, even if you brought in all world-class players, 
you're just not going to get that sharpness and the understanding that you, you know, you would hope to see. And I think this rebuild is not for this year. It's for the next three years or two years, as you said, 2023, you know, think about national team soccer. It's more, um, the, it's more structured. It's because the players don't play together as much. And I think that's what we're seeing. So, you know, from today's game, I think you got to take a lot of positive. Think of the team we put out there. When when I saw the lineup, I was like, oh, my God. And someone te- someone tweeted, you know, I'll take the over on this game. We showed well. The kids showed well. McNaughton was amazing. Um, you know, think about maybe Salcedo and McNaughton together. That's a pretty solid center, center back pairing. Uh, so just generally, I think we got to give it more time. Obviously, you know, everybody wants to win every game, and I, and I totally get that. Um, but there's one thing I just wanted to bring up about TFC in general. It's kind of always um, annoyed me is that there's something for me in this game that uh, I like to call the dark arts, which is, you know, it goes from diving to get fouls. It goes from time wasting. It goes from, you know, kind of mental games with players getting in their heads. Maybe, maybe, you know, you get really stuck in on a player just to shake them up and, and that kind of thing. And I, we are at zero on the dark arts. We always seem to be on the wrong side of that. Like today, the foul that Jaden Nelson didn't look like a foul. Santos is lying down on the ground. We get booked. They get a free kick and score. It seems like those situations where we never get the other side of that. We always, we're always on the wrong side of it. Um, and I, I think it's a, like it's a winning mentality and it's a, it's a very subtle thing, but, you know, end of games, we don't close out games well because we maybe we don't kick the ball out or whatever it is. Uh, and today, I almost punched a hole in the wall when McNaughton makes that amazing challenge and then we're breaking up the field. Pozuelo's got the ball. There's a chance for transition, and he plays it out. Uh, and, I mean, there's sportsmanship, and then there's we are here to win this game. It's obvious the guy's not doesn't have a head injury carry the ball forward forget about him we're here to win we're not here to to make friends and um anyway that's just that's just something that's always kind of bothered me. we've never really had that it's an it's a, like a level of nasty that's you don't want to be nasty but you want to be edging on it so that there's you know that gives you that little edge over other teams strike first strike hard no mercy all right Jeff, <laughs> i like it <laughs> no I, I i hear what you're saying like and jermaine we're going to bring you in in a second here um jeff um uh, we're going to just throw you back into the audience there um appreciate your thoughts uh, as always thanks for participating man um yeah i think that there is I, it's funny i was i was at a bar i was with a friend watching this game um and he mentioned to me that the one thing that he noticed that the team really kind of lacked was a little bit of that sandpaper, the little bit of that, that little physicality um, in the team and that we were kind of getting pushed off the ball a little easily. Um, and, and when things got a little chippy, we, we could lost control of the game um, in, in that regard. I'm not sure I fully, fully agree with that, but I do think that again, it comes with, you know, we saw it last week with Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy and that challenge on the third goal, you know, trying to win that header with a ball that he was just never going to win against a grown man who basically grown man pushed him off the ball, right? Like it's, those things are going to be expected with a, with a younger group. Um, I do agree with Jeff in regards to some of the, the, the balls that were kind of telegraphed through while they're playing them on the ground. When the team gets sharper, I think those balls connect. 
but right now they are they are they're not they're kind of balls to nowhere it feels like or they're easily picked off or intercepted um before i bring jermaine and mitchell or sean any thoughts on what jeff had to say well, they're missing Richie Larea a little bit in, <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of what he could do to to get the other team off their game. But um, yeah, no, I I think that's something that will that will come as well. I mean, um, I, I think it is fair. I, I I actually fully agree with the. I don't know if it was McNaughton or Pozuelo who played the ball. Maybe it was McNaughton. I'll, I'll defer to Jeff on this one. But yeah, that that's a moment that if you're a winning team winning mentality and and I know there's the sportsmanship angle, but like if the guy's not, you know, if he doesn't have a head injury, like you have to keep going there. They had a numbers advantage. Uh, Columbus didn't look super willing to defend that play. Like I was all for just putting the, you know, um, putting the ball forward and and trying to, to get a result of this game. Cause I, I find it hard to believe that Columbus would have done the same thing. No, I don't think Columbus would have done the same thing at all. Um, and I was frustrated when when Paz put the ball out of play. Now, I do, we don't know if the referee had made him put the ball out of play. I didn't see anything that had indicated the referee had asked them to do that. Um, but it's funny because as they put the ball in play, originally they weren't going to give the ball back. <laughs> they, they, they were going to play the throw-in as a regular throw-in, and they kind of got told off. To, to kick it back at Mensa, eventually punted it down the field, but that took away all of your sort of attacking momentum. So that was a little bit of frustrating to, to watch. Uh, Jermaine, uh, thank you for patiently waiting. Uh, please go ahead, unmute yourself, and uh, give us your thought or question. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I just want to talk about, like, the general dissatisfaction with the roster construction early on in the season. I don't think many people realize the difficulty of actually acquiring a player from Europe in the winter transfer window. Like we got really lucky with the the Jimenez signing because he was his contract was up in the summer, and we had to pay a minimal transfer or small transfer fee to acquire him. And I just feel like a lot of uh, TFC fans are dis are are complaining about the lack of signings in the off season, but fail to realize that again, European clubs likely won't let those those players go in the winter, and a lot of those players are still under contract so you, there's no way of getting or getting them apologies sorry go ahead uh jermaine if you can unmute yourself apologies there there was a little technical issue there oh do you guys hear that first part or yeah we heard the first part go ahead with your and talk, I also yeah. talk about the, there's just playing kids like we could tfc could very well go out and sign uh five nick de Leon type players but what is that really bringing us long term two three years down the road Yes, playing kids, it will hurt now, but they get better, and they're they could they, they build they they can develop within a system. You saw last year we were playing kids that weren't really playing within a system, but at least this year you can see that there is something that they're trying to do with with those kids, and they're, they're trying to 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 develop within within that Bob Raleigh system. Yeah. So, Jermaine, maybe I, if I could throw a question back to you there, um, and Mitchell, I do see your hand up, so um, I, I will bring you in as well. But um, are you, and, and maybe I misconstrued what you were saying there, but are, are, are you against playing the young players, or do you want the young players to play I want, more? I want them to play, but I've seen, I've been seeing a lot of fans saying, oh, where are the signings, why are we playing all of these kids? That's just a concept in general, or in world football. You'd rather play kids than a, a 29, 30-year-old, right? No, 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 that's, you know, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Mitchell, go ahead. Yeah, and I think Jermaine made 
two great points there, but uh, on the first one, I think especially, um, you know, how difficult it is to bring in some of these players in, in the uh, winter window from Europe. And, you know, uh, again, you want to bring in, especially when this is a longer term build, you want to bring in the right guys. Like you don't want to bring in um, too much over the past, you know, the past few signings Toronto he's made in terms of designated players, in terms of just players in general, they've been kind of band-aid signings where they've, They've tried to help the team a, a little bit paper over some of the cracks that have been in the roster, but now they're trying to build things from from the start and build things completely new. And you want to make sure to take your time and do your due diligence on these guys you're bringing in. And if you have to wait a couple more months, you know, obviously for Lorenzo and Signe, but even for uh, Domenico Crescito, if you, if that's your guy or someone else in the the summer transfer window, I think that's certainly worth it to do that in in a season like right now where you're in complete rebuild mode. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point from Jermaine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jermaine, thank you so much for your comment and your thought. Um, I really appreciate it. We're going to throw you back in the audience there. Um, we'll let Nuno, uh, jump in. I think Nuno will probably be our last caller for, uh, today. Um, I know we've been going on about an hour here, so, um, you know, want to get everybody on with their Saturdays, uh, but Nuno, go ahead, unmute yourself and give us your thought or question. Uh, what do you think of Marshall Ratti? So I can repeat that. I think you want your thoughts on uh, JMR. Oh, on JMR. Okay, sorry. My apologies. I didn't quite hear that. Um, yeah, look, I. It's a tough one for him. I we don't know what the what the extent of his injury is um, at this point. Um, look, it, it seemed pretty innocuous, right? He, he kind of went down. Um, it seemed like clutching his knee. I actually thought it was more his thigh, um, but it, or quad, but it could be his knee. Um, so we don't know, um, what exactly happened. I mean, so, I mean, if we talk about him so far in terms of the start of the season, look, a lot had a lot of, a lot of text and ink has been spread about Jaquil Marshall Ruddy in, in kind of the start to his season. I think he's for the most part, looked like a 17 year old playing senior football regularly for the first time, right? Like he has moments where he looks really great. Um, and he'll have some moments where he will struggle to adapt to the senior game. Um, and I, and I do, it's funny, Ollie Platt or Oliver Platt, um, a one soccer, um, actually came out, I believe this week, this past week, or, or maybe, uh, late last week, just in, in a piece regarding everybody kind of, cooling down the the jmr hype train um a little bit and i think that's fair right because i think we haven't really seen the full breadth of him yet um that said hopefully it's not a serious or a long-term injury that he has um because i do really think he's a key part to what this team could be when they play well um i think peter galindo has a really good uh piece right now um, if you're subscribed uh, to John Molinero's um, site, TFC Republic, where he breaks down a little bit of, you know, a bit of, you know, when JMR is playing well and, and connecting well with the team, how positive they are um, in attack. That said, um, I think there's some positive out of the game in the fact that Jaden Nelson looked okay, um, sort of deputizing in the role. I don't think you want him playing there every game. Um, but uh, I'll sort of ask Mitchell and, and Sean here, you know, your overall thoughts on Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy over the first two and I guess 
20 minutes of game action this year. Um, and his overall, uh, you know, thoughts on, on, on where he might be sort of heading this season. Um, I think we touched on this briefly last week as well. Um, you know, we all know he's a super young talent and the upside with him is tremendous. Um, and we've seen a lot of good things from him this season, but we also, with the fact that he's been thrown in a totally new position, we've seen him make some mistakes, which is expected. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to get, like, I just want him, I hope that this is a minor injury and it's nothing, not a major setback or anything. Uh, and that, you know, maybe just some, he just needs some, a couple weeks off uh, and he'll be back and ready to, to go. But um, for the most part, you know, we, I think last year we saw little spurts of him, but this year we start to see a little bit more of what he can bring to the table, specifically when he's in the attacking mode. Um, he just needs to now learn a, bit about you know playing the defensive side of of that right wing back position um but i'm i have been for the most part impressed with what i've seen so far and, and mitchell maybe to you the hype train on jmr obviously toronto fc want to put a pretty big price tag on him um for a potential sale to europe he, he's been linked to clubs he's trained um at liverpool and arsenal and other clubs uh this past off season um but do you think the 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 hype train is um i don't say speeding a little too fast on the track right now is it it's something we need to apply a little brakes to um on jaquil or is it fully warranted at this point well i think uh yeah i think there there does need to be some kind of breakage on the on the tracks in terms of uh his ability. I mean, it was funny. We were talking about this on, on the pod uh, earlier in the week, the fact that it used to be back in the day where, you know, the pressure was on these guys because Canada was looking for their transcendent breakthrough star. You know, you want to go back to a guy like Hanson, Boakai, uh, Canadian Messi, uh, Blue Tabla, all these guys, they were expected to be this next great Canadian player. Now that that player exists, there's, there's kind of the opposite and they're all held up to the Alfonso Davies standard, which is just an impossible standard. I mean, he's a generational player, not just for Canadians, but worldwide. So um, if you're expecting Jaquil Mascherudi to be Alfonso Davies, maybe even if you're expecting him to be a Tejan Buchanan, although I think that could be a similar comparable in terms of overall talent, you might end up being disappointed. But I do think there's there's ability there that, you know, there's a reason why he's on the field as a 17 year old and a manager as experienced as Bob Bradley is willing to put him out there. And it's not just because the club's trying to trying to make money. It's because he's an important part of what Bob Bradley believes this club can do. So um, I think the, the hype definitely needs to be measured, but I do think um, as Sean said, like there's a lot of indicators as to why the club, um, everyone who's worked with this kid is, is so excited about him. And uh, again, this, this injury is concerning because a lot of the plans this season do seem to be, at least at the moment, about JMR in that position. And mm, the backup plans you know, aren't really ideal in that spot. No, because the right now the the backup is there really isn't a backup. Um, uh, you know, I guess you you can in theory put Caden Jung there and and, um, and and have him play the role for now, but it's definitely a different type of 
role he would be playing in terms of that position. I don't, I don't know if you have him necessarily bombing up as much. I don't know if that connective play is the same. Um, so there's a lot of questions around, you know, what happens. I mean, we're, we're kind of finding out with Jacob Schaffelberg now, obviously there's a little bit more cover there. We know Luca Petrasso is can, can come in and, and play a role in a, in a, in a big role uh, in the place of, Schaffelberg, but we don't know about that on the right side yet. And depending on the injury, we'll kind of wait and see how it goes. Um, uh, you know, we we, we, were, we might have to find out pretty quickly in terms of what they might try to do in, in that regard. Okay, we've been going for about an hour here, so uh, I think we'll we'll kind of bring it to an end there. I want to do a quick look uh, to TFC in the next week and the next couple of weeks in terms of the schedule. Uh, next weekend, uh, next Saturday, they're back at home, 3 o'clock against D.C. United. That is not going to be an easy game. Um, you know, I, I think D.C. United is is uh, slightly improved from last year. Uh, and then their next two, uh, the week after that against, uh, or sorry, after the international break, sorry, I should say, um, NYCFC at home, the champs in their tiny championship banner. If you haven't uh, been on Twitter and see NYCFC unveil their MLS Cup banner at Yankee Stadium, flag. it is literally, I, I'm pretty sure Kings and North have a bigger banner just declaring themselves as a supporter group than NYCFC paid for their championship banner. It kind of looks high school. You can take a look. Uh, and then uh, April 9th, uh, they are on the road against Real Salt Lake. So not an easy three-game stretch uh, for TFC um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, especially heading into the international break and even when they come back uh, from the international break. Uh, you know, this there, we might be into some some more lean times, but then again, we might see a game where they're able to put two halves of football together like they did in the first half of this game and, uh, and, and come away with a, with a positive result. Um, but before we, we head out, uh, Mitchell, Sean, any last thoughts on today's game or anything that you think fans should maybe think about or take away um, even from a negative result uh, today? I mean, just, just speaking on the game coming up, like, I actually think that's a pretty massive game against DC United in, in the, you know, if, if we want Toronto FC to certainly be in a playoff competition this year or competitive for that spot, because, you know, you're heading into your first international break. If you can get a result, get a win, obviously, I think actually in, in that game at home, it's, it's a massive boost in confidence, not only for, for your home form, but just for all the players in general. And there's going to be a lot, like, anytime you're going into an international break, the, like, game before the international break looms large because that's the last thing in everyone's mind. So if they can get a win in that game, it could be really, really big in terms of just their confidence over that international break as they try to build on some of the good things that we've talked about today. Um, and, you know, conversely, if they lose that game and maybe, you know, even if it gets a little ugly at home, like, then there's all that negative energy going into that international break and you're losing a bunch of the guys. So it's, it's hard to, to build some momentum up there. So I do think that that is a big, big game and um, yeah, looking forward to it because of that. Yeah. I, I have to agree with, with Martin on that. Like Mitch, sorry. Um, next week is, I don't want to say a must win, but, you know, the pressure will start to mount after next week. Um, 
thankfully they do have the international break, so any of the injuries that aren't saying necessarily major can players can use that time to kind of heal up and get ready to come back. But you know, you want to you you got another home game. You kind of don't want to have another game like last week, uh, and you hope last week was just more of you know first home game. They haven't really had that environment in a while. It was a little they just weren't at their best and let's hope next week they can come back. I think the key factor is going to be who's healthy and who's not. Um, if we are going into a game where you're playing another makeshift, uh, you have to put two keepers on the bench or part of the starting 18 that, that will be a little worrisome um, come next, next Saturday. But let's hope that again, you know, we know we'll have Salcedo back. That's a bonus. Maybe we'll have another, maybe O'Neill, because he did pick up a knock. Maybe he'll be healthy and they can kind of, that'll help the defensive uh, crew. But yeah, um, next week, I think getting a result is definitely going to be a key factor going into that break. Well, um, it's a good shout there, Mitchell, in terms of the, the results, I mean, it feels a way too early to be looking at uh, tables right now. But, I mean, you know, kind of count your lucky stars that Montreal, Cincinnati, Charlotte, and Inter-Miami are um, awful. <laughs> because, uh, you know, it, right now, uh, you know, if TFC can get a win, you, you do vault yourself up into that level where I think we all kind of hoped – the club would be, you know, come July and, and that's sort of what everybody's kind of waiting for. But, um, you know, if, if you, you go into the international break only on one point, um, you know, the, the, as bad as maybe not as bad, but as, as sort of weak as the bottom half of the Eastern conference is, you don't want to start getting cut adrift um, early. And that actually could happen where you're starting to already chase uh, games and trying to make up uh, points uh, in, in games. And that's not a position you want to be in that early in the season because we kind of found that out last year, um, how hard it is to actually um, dig yourself out of a hole uh, once you're in it. Um, but with that said, I think there are positives to, again, take away. I think there is a a path forward for the way that we play, the, the, when we possess the ball, um, we look good and, and we're going to be able to create goals. The question is going to be, one, can we continue to or can we find consistency in playing that way over a 90 minute stretch and not just, you know, 20, 30, 45 minutes here and there? Um, and, and, and second, can you when times get tough? when you kind of get pushed by another team, you know, find a way to stay resilient and not give away, uh, you know, a backbreaking goal. Um, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and it's three games in, obviously, so I don't think anybody's hitting the panic button yet. But there are questions, and I don't think they're they're illegitimate um, to be asking um, of this group and of, of Bob Bradley um, going into next Saturday. Um, but with that said, guys, um, thanks again for listening uh, into the post game show, the Tunnel Club post game show. Um, it, you know, we really appreciate you guys listening in and, and giving us your thoughts. We always love to hear what the community is saying. Thank you again to Mitchell Tierney, uh, to Sean, 
uh, Levy for coming in and and uh, and hosting with me. I really appreciate you guys. Um, really great thoughts and obviously really great, uh, really great talk. After another tough uh, TFC loss, we'll be back next week. Uh, it will again, uh, just to reiterate the sort of schedule of what we're trying to do here: um, post game shows or post game review shows, home matches. We'll do them the day after. Uh, the match because a lot of us go to the games and after right after the games are in no state to actually host a show uh, and then uh, obviously for away games usually we'll try to be on 30 to 40 minutes after uh, the full-time whistle uh, to get your call in get your thoughts and, and obviously uh, and obviously listen in so on behalf uh, of Mitchell Sean uh, Jeffrey P. Nesker, who has been doing an amazing job in the background um, producing this show. Uh, my name is Mike Newell. Thanks for listening in. And we will see you next week on the Tunnel Club TFC Live postgame show. Cheers, all. Mm-hmm.